The 2022 tax filing season begins on January 24th and will run through April 18th. Even before the first returns have been processed, the IRS is warning taxpayers to prepare for the worst this spring. A new report issued by the National Taxpayer Advocate highlights just how perilous the IRS's position is as the nation's tax collector grapples with pandemic-related challenges. The Taxpayer Advocate's report found that the agency currently has a backlog of over 8 million unprocessed returns from the 2021 tax filing season. With an agency on uneven footing heading into its busiest season, what will all these troubles mean for taxpayers? And does Washington even have a plan in place to address this? Welcome to The Deduction, a Tax Foundation podcast. My name is Jesse Solis, Media Relations Manager here at the Tax Foundation, and today I'm joined by my friend, my colleague, Garrett Watson, our Senior Policy Analyst. Garrett, how are you? Thanks for having me. We're about to get some snow in Arkansas, so very excited. Oh, really? I think we're supposed to get sloshed this weekend here in D.C., so that'll be fun. It's a theme for the winter. Lots of fun. Slosh. Yeah, so Garrett, back in uh, 2013, the IRS did something. People got mad, and it was a story for quite a while. This year, things are a little different. The IRS put out a statement recently anticipating madness coming up for this forthcoming tax season, and people are rightfully getting mad. So what, what exactly is going on with the IRS right now? Sure. So we're about to enter what is a third straight tax season in uh, the pandemic era, which really has put a lot of challenges in front of both the IRS as an agency and taxpayers. Uh, and of course, uh, what's new this year is the tax filing deadline, uh, which is typically set in, in mid-April, is going to be uh, normal this year. It hasn't been uh, significantly delayed. And so that means everyone is back on schedule, back on track in the filing season. But uh, what's different this year is the IRS is dealing with a very large backlog in unprocessed tax returns from the last season or two. Uh, recently, some uh, estimates are that over 6 million tax returns are weighted to be processed by the IRS. And there's a lot of worry that the IRS may not be ready to uh, work with taxpayers to process their returns and uh, to get uh, taxpayer refunds on time. Uh, and then the, the second major thing, of course, is we're still trying to administer the pandemic-related relief that was passed through the American Rescue Plan last year. Uh, and we can go into that in detail, but a lot of folks will be trying to navigate that as well. So in short, the IRS is telling Americans, hey, it's time to be back on schedule. The IRS is not following the schedule, though, correct? Right. So they still have a lot of returns from last year. Folks are still trying to amend their returns from years prior, uh, in many cases, multiple years prior. And a striking stat that came out of uh, some reporting this past week was that when taxpayers try to call the IRS to get real-time information, which is often the most helpful way to get that information, uh, their pickup rate was about 11%, meaning about 90% of the time uh, they were uh, left hanging and there wasn't a response from the IRS, which is going to make this filing season pretty challenging. That's quite the low number. My goodness, 11%. But I think there's two sides to the coin here we could focus on today, one being the agency woes, the other side, of course, being the taxpayer ramifications because of this. So let's start with the agency real quick. I'm guessing that some people on the left, per se, are going to blame these woes on just slashed IRS budgets throughout the decades. Some on the right might say, hey, 2017 tax cut simplified processing. It should be a quicker process for people, as well as, you know, there is the, even the bipartisan Taxpayer First Act a couple of years ago in the Trump era. So why, why is the agency in this position today? Yeah, it really has been uh, a, a confluence of factors that's led us to where we're at today. 
Uh, one of which is, of course, the fact that uh, we had a lot of delays related to the pandemic and social distancing, and that led to a large backup in paper returns in particular. Because in 2020, basically, we sent everybody home who worked in person to open and process that mail, and, and it was accumulating in, uh, in a lot of cases in trailers and trucks, and that they literally had to dig out, and they're still digging out from because of that. And so part of it is just disruptions related to the pandemic. The second um, major thing on top of that, of course, is over the last three years, the IRS really hasn't had a break as policymakers have thrown at them change after change uh, in an effort to run uh, relief uh, for people due to the pandemic through the tax code. And that means the IRS has had a mandate to send out stimulus payments, ensure folks get their expanded child tax credit, uh, ensure that businesses are getting tax relief. Uh, And that puts a lot of work, not only to administer those programs, but also to deal with any problems that come up. I think it's the combination of both of those things that are really causing strain for the agency. Uh, and while it's true that, that resources can help in doing that, both in terms of people and updating the software needed to work on this, a lot of this was going to be the unavoidable outcome of dealing with the pandemic and relying on the IRS to solve a lot of our problems. When it's really not an agency that's meant to do that, it's meant to enforce our tax code uh, to raise revenue for the government. That was going to be my next question. Was the IRS ever actually prepared to be the check hand routers, even though they weren't checks, they were direct deposits for most people, you know, economic impact payments. Remember when I was on the Hill, there was a lot of marketing questions that were going into that because no one really knew how to brand them. Was the agency ever prepared to handle a pandemic and this much stimulus? So we've done direct payments in a much more limited fashion in the past. For example, back in, in 2008, right, right before the Great Recession, there was a limited sort of a round of payments. So the IRS had some experience with that, but nothing to the scale or the frequency at which we use the tax code to send people money. And so that was a pretty large uh, change, especially as, as policymakers were trying to send out relief to folks who were not already connected to the tax system. So that required the IRS to use resources to find those folks, to work with other agencies to get to them, like the Social Security Administration. Uh, and then you add on top of that, of course, the fact that there are all these other relief programs like the employee retention tax credit, tax credits for folks uh, who are out sick and other business tax relief that is quite complicated and required rules and talent needed to actually administer those programs. And so much like everyone else, I mean, the agency was trying to catch up as we were trying to understand what was needed to combat the pandemic. Uh, and I think the question now moving forward is, what are the, the right lessons learned to deal with future recessions, uh, future pandemics? Hopefully not, because I think there's a lot to be learned there. But I think the last thing I'd say is, of course, it is still important, and I think the National Taxpayer Advocate uh, made this point, that the IRS actually did fairly well, given the hand that they were dealt, right? There were still a lot of problems, especially going into this tax season, uh, but it could have gotten a lot worse. And I think appreciating that what they did do is uh, also helpful. You're looking back at those stimulus payments. They did get them out pretty quickly, especially at the start of the pandemic. You know, not for everyone, there's hiccups, but they did pick up some of these programs pretty, pretty swiftly. Has there been a reaction or an ask from the White House, from the admin, from the IRS to Congress for help during this upcoming tax filing season? Or is the only message they're saying is just be patient? So I think patience is probably the, 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 main, uh, the main message that they're sending. But this is wrapping into the broader conversation as part of Build Back Better and other related discussions about what resources are needed at the IRS. The problem with the broader discussion about IRS resourcing is you're sort of combining a lot of related but distinct issues, right? You have the issue, for example, of tax compliance and what we might want to do to build out and encourage greater compliance. But that's a very different thing from just basic bread and butter 
customer service, if you will, for taxpayers, right? The fact that taxpayers don't have a way of communicating with the IRS effectively, that's probably the place to emphasize and could be an opportunity for potential a broader support if we are going to resource the agency, uh, especially on a temporary basis, because some of this issue is just a catch-up problem of they're really backlogged. It might be hard to catch up on that backlog and administer the current what's currently happening at the same time. So a temporary you know, program that helps them catch up could be a way to, to sort of bridge uh, going from the pandemic mode to the more normal mode that comes after. Of course, and patience, you know, of course, is a virtue we could keep practicing, especially for those workers who didn't have the opportunity to go to remote, who are, you know, been going in every single day. I think the biggest difference here is that we don't have a choice not to interact with the IRS, especially this spring. It's something we have to have to deal with no matter what. You know, we can stop going to Starbucks in person, but we cannot stop dealing with the IRS. So we talked about the agency. Let's talk about the taxpayer situation here. What's this filing season going to look like for people? For the majority of Americans, will it be normal still, just with a longer wait maybe? Or is there going to be a lot happening? Yeah, the way I would frame it is that there's going to be a lot of variation in people's experience in the tax season this year. So for folks who have a fairly straightforward return, if they're a single person uh, without uh, dependents and they're claiming this inner deduction, it might be like most most other tax years if they file electronically. Uh, they'll find that they might get the refund on time and, and not really think much of it. Uh, but that's not going to be true for other taxpayers. For example, folks who have uh, families with children, if they're eligible for the child tax credit, uh, families are going to navigate that at expanded credit, which on one hand did expand the value of that credit for, for most families. On the other hand, the IRS has been uh, advancing those payments monthly. It's a pretty big change from the previous uh, way the credit worked. Let's talk about that. So if you received that payment monthly, yep. what's that going to mean come April, hypothetically, if you get your tax return then? Are you going to still see a big child tax credit or is it going to be smaller because you received it every month? Yeah. So the impact there really depends on what you received in the past. So if, for example, you had a younger child before you would have received a full $2,000 credit uh, if you were eligible for it uh, during the tax season all at once. Now, the value is up to $3,600, which seems like it would obviously be a larger amount. But as you just mentioned, Jesse, uh, half of that was actually advanced uh, monthly, meaning $1,800 of it may already have been dispersed. So uh, a person normally used to getting $2,000 during the tax season may only receive $1,800, the balance of that of that amount during the tax season. So that may actually reduce their refund very slightly. Uh, on the other hand, a family who, uh, for, for whatever reason, didn't qualify for the credit in the past uh, may qualify now and receive uh, and, and think of it as an $1,800 bonus because they had received none in the past. So it's really going to depend on on what families are used to there. But that really underscores the importance of being proactive and knowing what your refund situation may look like, especially because a lot of families, of course, for better or for worse, rely on these refunds for financial obligations. And the worst case scenario is they're just caught flat-footed because they expect their refund to be an amount that it actually isn't. feels like a very like American thing to kind of just cherish your tax refund in the spring. You know, it's money that you could have had in your paycheck every month, but you just got it back. This time, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's still going to be very important to emphasize to folks that the refund is not indicative of the amount of taxes that they paid. And uh, uh, it's important to separate those two things. Any other sticky things other than the child tax credit for folks that are pandemic related here? The other major item, of course, will be the uh, third round of stimulus payments, which was issued, it feels like, forever ago. It was about a year ago. Uh, a little less than a year ago through the American Rescue Plan Act. That was about a $1,400 payment for individuals and for dependents. The IRS and Treasury have tried to send out sort of a follow-up series of payments for folks who may have been eligible, but there's still going to be some folks during the tax season who may not have received their full amount. So they'll have the opportunity to 
pick that uh, amount up if it's uh, available. And the big thing to know there, of course, is any adjustment that is done on those payments is going to be in the taxpayer's favor. So uh, that will mean folks will not have to pay back a stimulus payment. That won't be a problem. Uh, that is in contrast to the expanded CTC. If you did, you were in a situation where you received an incorrect amount for the child tax credit expansion for the monthly payments. Uh, there are some protections in the law for folks uh, who are lower earners, but if you're a higher earner earning over about 60000 a year, there's a chance you may have to pay some back if you received too much during the, uh, the previous year. All things to be aware of as the tax filing season gets underway, which it starts January 24th. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Come up quickly next 10 days. What can people expect to see from you in the next couple months? Yeah, we're going to be following uh, the, the filing season and the uh, the ramifications of it pretty pretty closely because it does have a big impact on what we should be doing moving forward. This is a big experiment in using the tax code as a way of administering sort of relief in the context of recessions and uh, as social support. And I think there's a lot we can be learning uh, moving forward on that experience, especially as we're seeing a lot of policymakers uh, wishing to double down on that approach uh, in Build Back Better and in other proposals. So we're hoping to do more work on that, both for individuals and businesses, so that we might have a a less bumpy, simpler experience for folks moving forward. And to follow that work, where can people find you online? I'm at Twitter at uh, GS underscore Watson. You can find my, my work at taxfoundation.org. Well, thanks, Garrett. This was very insightful. We look forward to talking more again soon. Thank you. The Deduction is produced by Dan Carvajal. To learn more about the Tax Foundation and The Deduction, visit us online at taxfoundation.org slash podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Tax Foundation, as well as on Twitter at DeductionPod. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on The Deduction. Thanks, Nettie.